0: Welcome back to the Elite Seller Show. We have a special guest here today who took a lot of time out of his day to actually have this discussion with me on PPC. It is the one and only Liron Hirschhorn. Now, if you guys aren't familiar with Liron Hirschhorn, you might want to take your head from under the rock. I'm telling you, this guy is just all over the place. He's been in the Amazon game for roughly seven years now. He is the PPC expert. If you ever find him on Facebook, you'll see all his posts about PPC, all the success that he's had on Amazon, and all the success he has brought to to other Amazon sellers in the industry. And without further ado, we're going to be talking about Amazon advertising in 2021. So I'm going to let Leron Hirschkorn take it
1: off. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. And I can only imagine what this conversation is going to be just based off the few minute discussion that, that we had uh prior. And su- super excited and thankful to, to be here and to talk about kind of like what's what's happening currently in the environment with Amazon marketing and, and kind of a little bit more specifically with Amazon advertising. Awesome, man. So let's let's kick it off.
0: What's going on with Amazon advertising in 2021? Like what are the best strategies? What 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 do you recommend? Because obviously you're you're the deferred uh de facto. PPC expert in
1: most circles. I would say, and, th- and thank you. Um, you know, I think there's there's probably a lot of people listening that are on top of their game. You know, I'll share kind of from my perspective what what we've been seeing. And in my agency, we also have access to just a lot of data that's you know sort of aggregated across a lot of accounts. So you know, I have a view directly into accounts, but I also have sort of a little bit of a high level view across you know many many accounts. So one thing we can kind of start off with is that Amazon Ads cost per click has been rising and rising pretty, pretty dramatically from not just, you know, from last year, but even over the last five, six months. So we did a, we did an analysis and actually made a post about this May 26th, but we did an analysis and then marketplace pulse also wrote an article just within the last like uh, week or so. And basically the analysis was that cost per click is, Kind of gone up about 30% across the board on our clients from January to May. So in January, uh, average cost per click across all of our clients, and you know, which is kind of like around 50 million plus in in revenue a month that our our clients um, sell, was about 78 cents on average. Obviously, some categories are significantly higher, but 78 cents on average. And in in May, it was uh, like about a dollar 10 on average, which means like Amazon advertising is just getting more competitive. We've also seen this kind of rise, and we've this rise in basically every single every single ad type so from sponsored products sponsored brands some months is uh has been the same or even higher than sponsored products sponsored brand video specifically actually has been kind of higher even than sponsored product and the lowest sort of cost per click sort of category of ad type is sponsored display which Still can't can't get you a ton of visibility, but it's something everybody should be exploring and, and kind of testing more with if you haven't. So part of just understanding is the landscape is that if you have seen an increase in your A cost, sometime from the beginning of a year to now, you're not the only one. And it's something we've kind of seen across the board. In in January, our average client A cost was about 21%. And in May, it was 30%. So again, an overall just sort of increase in A cost. So the question is one, what do you do about it? How do you combat it? and what should you be doing? So the first thing I would say is that this should force you to even be paying more and more attention to your ads and to the optimization of your ads. Because if you're not paying attention, this is going to negatively affect you more. Or if you're not really optimizing bids or increasing them with the the rise, you're going to just lose visibility, lose impressions. So I think you need to pay a lot more attention to what's going on, as well as making sure that you're maximizing every single ad type that exists that's available to you so that you can shift budgets from where you are getting the best cost per click, from where you are getting the best cost. If you're running, you know, sponsored brand headline, sponsored brand video, sponsored display, sponsored product, within sponsored product, auto, manual, ASIN targeting, like all, all the things that are available to you. It also allows you to kind of shift your budgets to where you are getting the best performance. If you're not running them, there's still sellers I speak to every single day that have not run sponsored brand video for, you know, every single product. Um, and, and I want to talk more sort of be beyond that. But one, you should be doing that. Two, you may have seen sort of a decline even in sales since about March. I believe there's a bunch of reasons why that's happening. April and May, I believe, have been kind of like not as good for a lot of sellers. And I think there's a variety of reasons why that's happening. I think the country has opened up more, and people are expecting to see kind of the same COVID bump continue, but it's not going to continue you know, forever. In a sense, COVID brought more people into e-commerce and more people into Amazon. And I think Amazon last year has gotten 50 million new prime members. Mm-hmm. So the, the pool is getting bigger. the The pie is getting bigger, but also now there's, I think, somewhat a decline with people sort of leaving the house more. So they're not just home as much more to kind of shop and also shopping more in retail than they were previously. So that's another sort of element that's been happening over the last couple of months. So, what should you be doing? So one, you know, some strategies around like just campaign structure and how you should be positioning things. So one thing I see a lot is that people don't have the right campaign structure and segmentation Mm -hmm. of of keywords and and campaigns. So what does that mean? Well, we see campaigns where people have, you know, 300, 400, 500 keywords in one campaign. Um, It's generally not the right approach. Um, We see campaigns where people have mixed match types in the same campaign or in the same ad group, generally not the right approach. We audited a lot of accounts and we're seeing people getting impressions on the, the keywords with the most search volume, but long tail keywords or keywords that haven't gotten impressions, not really maximizing the visibility. And actually, if you focused more on long tail keywords, those are the keywords that are going to cost less on a cost per click basis than the keywords that have the highest search volume that everybody is targeting. So mm-hmm. this should be forcing you to look more deeply at your advertising campaigns and how to maximize impressions, and visibility across the board. Some things I'd recommend generally is one product could probably use 20, 25 different campaigns for that particular product. You shouldn't have two or three campaigns on a product. You should have, you know, kind of thinking about how we we structure things. We'll generally structure, you know, an auto, a manual keyword and a manual ASIN targeting campaign to start. Within the manual keyword campaign, we will generally segment out ad groups based on broad phrase and exact. However, we would also separate out the keywords that have the highest search volume into their own either single keyword campaigns or three or four keywords in one campaign, because the keywords that have the highest search volume are going to take up a lot of your budget if they're grouped in with all the other keywords. And then most of the Budget it's just going to go to those those high search volume keywords, which are also the most expensive keywords. Right, and it's highly sought after keywords. So it just makes sense that it's going to eat up a good portion of your budget. Exactly. What's going to happen is it's not going to allow the other keywords to get budget. Now, some might say, "Well, what if you have a much higher budget? Let's say you know, yes, those keywords are spending, but I make my budget five thousand a day, and my daily budget doesn't spend that. shouldn't Shouldn't the spend then go to those other keywords? And the answer is that there seems to be something also within the Amazon algorithm that once you have beyond a certain amount of keywords per, you know, ad group or, or campaign, they just don't get impressions. And I, I've seen sort of the, the proof of this when, you know, I have, you know, 100 or 200 keywords in a campaign um, and I might start that way other than isolating the top keywords into their own campaign or the top most relevant keywords into their own campaign. I start to see that, okay, 50 keywords have gotten impressions here, but there's another 150 that, that haven't gotten impressions. I will take those 50 and I'll now isolate them into their own separate campaign. Now, suddenly I see that it's getting spent and it's getting sales. And so I've seen the proof where even if you have an unlimited budget, just having too many keywords in one campaign leads to not getting the maximum visibility. And so part of kind of what I do when I manage is I continue to isolate. I might start out with the top five highest search volume keywords in, in, in a similar match type in a campaign together. And as I see the spend shift and the results, I might then take each one and isolate it into its own campaign. I then look at my campaigns and consistently look for all the terms that have not gotten impressions, not just in a recent period, but forever historically, because part of what we do too, is we manage bids. And when a, when a keyword has a high ACOS, we will lower the bid. So it's very possible that in the future, it stops getting impressions, but that's okay because it wasn't performing where I wanted it to. So I need to look also on a long-term basis across all my keywords in a lifetime of a campaign, not just in a seven-day period or a 30-day period, but in a lifetime, especially if you're using software to optimize bids, I need to look and see what has never actually gotten visibility since I launched this campaign. And then those keywords, I will move out to another campaign. In that other campaign, I now let that run for a month. And I will look at that campaign and see, okay, some have gotten impressions here, but some still have not. Let me take that group now and isolate it into its own campaign. And I continue to get more granular and granular. And I want to do that with ASINs. I want to do that in my sponsored product manual campaign and keyword target in a product targeting campaigns. And then I want to do this on the sponsored brand side. If I have one sponsored brand video for a product, uh, Amazon actually on the sponsored brand side allows you to hit the copy button and just copy a, everything you have already in that campaign. And so if I have a keyword there that has very high search volume um, and is performing really well, well, maybe I want to move all the other keywords in that campaign out and just let that one run and take budget and move those into separate campaign. Or maybe I want to look at the keywords that have not gotten impressions and I want to isolate them. Same thing with sponsored display. I have a group of 300 targets that I put in. I want to start isolating things that have not gotten impressions, things that are the highest volume ASIN targets that I have there and really make an intense focus on that on, uh, as well as I would say bid management, optimizing bids up and down either manually bulk sheets, manually or with software, as well as harvesting keywords and search terms and adding those back into your campaigns once you see conversions from auto and, and from broad and phrase match. And we negate in the auto once we add that keyword to the manual because we wanna shift kind of spend from auto to manual. Um, I, I made a post this week, I was auditing an account that had 300,000 a month in spend and yeah, I saw that post. Yeah, and had over 100% ACOS, and they were using a software tool. I don't want to say the name, although some people guessed it in the comments. But their their top three campaigns that spent like I don't know 60, 70 thousand dollars in the last 30 days were all auto campaigns. And I said to them, "This doesn't make any sense. You know, no. you're, you have you have very little control. And so negating and moving moving from auto to manual. And they they told me that their their agency kind of said. You know, we do this so we can harvest new search terms and ASINs. But if you start out with great keyword research, right? If you're looking at the top 10 competitors and, and some of the things that elite seller, the, the tool allows you to do, right? Look at the top 10 competitors, sort them by this relevancy and search volume. We do top 20, just throwing it in relevancy and search volume. We don't, we're not going to do shameless plugs about the software. No, no, no. But I mean, that's, that's kind of what you want to do, right? Yeah, I definitely. Mean, more the better, take top, you know, up to the top 20 and then sort them by relevancy and search volume, and you're starting off your manual campaigns, that should already limit. And you negate that in the beginning from the auto, it should already limit the amount of spend your auto gets. And then your auto really is using to discover things that can work that you didn't find or ASINs that you didn't find. But if you didn't start out with that research and you're just letting money spend in auto and you're not negating and shifting, then you know, you're know again, you're not maximizing the opportunity. Again, we consistently see an account. I, I looked at an account for a company that spends 600000 a month on ads, and most of the spend was going to one term that had a ton of search volume, you know, in their their, their supplement company. Think about if you're selling vitamin D mm-hmm. and they were spending all their money on vitamin D and getting sales, but like their limit, you know, basically their budgets was just like, and the campaign structure was that like 90% of their budget went to like vitamin D versus all the other types of keywords related to vitamin D that they have in the campaign but they're just not getting spent, right? And as a result, their cost per click is higher their ranking gets affected. They're not. So I think this rise in cost per click and increase in cost and tacos for sellers should give you a force you to put a hyper focus on your advertising, as well as expansion into all the ad types that are, you know, that are kind of like available to you.
0: Just to piggyback off of that, uh, you mentioned that there's an increase of sellers that are coming into the marketplace, but also naturally, since the world is opening back up, economies are opening back up, people are actually going back to the stores that there's actually going to be a pretty significant decline with the amount of sales that most people would actually see on Amazon. So I, I beg to ask you, like, what do you see is being the major contributor to the cost of yeah. rising cost, uh, cost per click over time. Is it something on Amazon? Is it uh, did they switch up their advertising platform in a way that nobody got news about it?
1: Is it just a tweak? Is it a bug? I think it's a combination of factors. I wouldn't necessarily say that you're going to see a serious decline, but again, from last year. Where people were locked up in their house and couldn't go anywhere, you know, we see the numbers for fitness and supplements and stuff that were, were done in, you know, April and May last year. They're significantly higher than than they were this year. And now people are starting to go out more and travel and 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 you know, certain products will see an uptick, right? Travel products saw a huge like death, right? Like, you know, if you were selling, you know, I know a seller that was selling like lanyards that people wear for like to hold their cruise card key right? I mean, that business was decimated, but should start coming back right now. So in some, in some areas you'll see growth. And at the same time, again, a lot of new shoppers came to Amazon as a result, and that will stick. So I don't think you're going to see this like massive decline, but that's part of the reason why I've seen a lot of sellers have less sales in April and May than they did in like January, February, March. Now, why the rising cost per click? Variety of reasons. Let's talk about like Revlon, okay, as a company, huge Uh brand. Majority of their sales was through brick and mortar prior to COVID, right? And and probably still today. They were spending probably a ton of money on end caps and and a whole bunch of stuff in retail. Well, retail kind of took a major hit. Mm -hmm. Where are they shifting their dollars? They're shifting their dollars to digital, which is going to be D2C probably and Amazon, right? Marketplaces. So you've seen major players that traditionally have, have spent much higher percentage of their marketing budgets on putting up a, a billboard sign or a TV ad. And now they're shifting more budgets to digital because of the this digital change that we've seen accelerate 10 years forward or five years forward as a result of COVID. So one, you have a lot of brick and mortar, traditional brands that advertise through brick and mortar, putting money in digital. Two- I think that, you know, sellers in, in China, uh, people in the U.S. saw an opportunity or, you know, I had a conversation last year with a guy, COVID hit, he was in a car wash business. Okay? He, he ran car washes. That's going to take a hit. Like, you know, I'm not driving around as much in the summer. My car's not getting hit with, the, you know, I'm not driving around as much in the snow. My car's in the garage, whatever. I don't need to take my car to, to a car wash, right? He was like, hey, I'm thinking of getting into this Amazon thing because like, this business is going to get hit, and I, I kind of see this this change, right? So, mm-hmm. and I think so, I was in China and the, and like people just see an opportunity to get into Amazon because of it. So more sellers into Amazon, more big brands spending, more money on advertising digitally, which includes Amazon. And uh, as well as, you know, certain ad types getting easier to run, meaning brand registry, for example, is as easy as it's ever been to get. So in the past, you had to actually have a trademark that was live before you got brand registry. It was like a nine, 10 month process. Then there was the IP accelerator, which made it a little bit easier. Uh, you had to go through that program. Now you don't even need to go through that program. You could just put in a pending USPTO number uh, for, for in the US. And even if you just applied for your trademark and it's not live and you just applied, you can get brand registry, which means you now have access to sponsor brand video, sponsor brand headline, to sponsor display ads. So mm-hmm. more people are just getting easier access also to ad types that were previously a little bit, was a little bit more friction to get access to those ad types. And this combination of COVID, new sellers, big brands, and easier access to ad types, as well as more, less organic placements on page one on Amazon, right? So think about all the things that exist today on page one that didn't exist two or three years ago, even. Video ads, they take up, a video on on desktop takes up four placements of whether it would be organic or sponsored product ads, but it takes up the spot of four listings for a video ad on on desktop. That's a huge amount of real estate. Huge amount of real estate, right? Taken, that used to be maybe organic, that's now video. You have today things like editorial recommendations. Again, that's not an ad but it's taking up the space of organic. Um, It's fighting for that top
0: spot on on page one, because even when you do a search on Amazon, obviously you're seeing your sponsored, you're seeing your editorial recommendations and it's just pushing down the organic listings. And then you start getting into what would naturally appear on Amazon. What I would actually have to ask you is with this rising cost per click, would you say since the seasonality of products have changed with COVID, are you
1: seeing that the rising cost per click is actually only category specific or is it just across the board? I believe it's across the board. And yeah, obviously some categories categories, probably different than others. One of the things we want to start doing now is actually breaking down that data by by category so we can see, but I believe it's across the board. It's, it's something we, we've, we've kind of seen generally and probably in some categories more and some categories less mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like the, the percentage increase, but it, it, it's pretty much across the board. What will have to happen as a result? Well, maybe prices will need to go up on Amazon as a result, you know, at some point it's tough because it's a marketplace and you have, you know, everybody competing each other on price and you can't sort of collectively say, okay, let's raise the price. But I think, you know, this year we've seen a lot of supply chain issues, obviously increased cost of shipping, increased cost of advertising. At some point sellers will really need to raise their prices, you know, in order to account for, everything that's happened in terms of, you know, the, these, these increases. So that, that may be a thing that just happens naturally. We've already seen actually in last month's, like, you know, consumer price index or whatever, like inflation, was like 5%, significantly higher. So we are actually seeing increase in just consumer goods prices in, in general, sort of in, in the, in the, the U S economy. But that may be a thing that will have to happen in order for sellers to have, to have the margins sort of back that they had. But again, I feel like for the most part in a lot of brands also have room for improvement. Mm-hmm. And that means if you take what you have and you optimize it better, and that's not just the PPC side too, right? That's your listings, your conversion rate. If your conversion rate goes from 15% to 20% on the same traffic, you know, that that's a huge win, right? So you really need to be focused on obviously trying to optimize every part of your business because things are getting more competitive. The other thing I would I would add to to maybe part of this equation is the rise of aggregators. Who can afford to spend more money on a product launch? You? Or thrashio. giant right? company, obviously yeah, so what's happened in the marketplace too in the last year, year and a half is a hundred companies that have raised five or six billion dollars that's coming into Amazon, and they are I think a lot of them are, and because of their investors and and you know I've had conversations with them about this, they are very focused on profits and they have to show profits in order to you know for for their investors, however. Yes, they can launch a product and say, okay, our strategy with this is just we're going to sort of lose money on advertising for six to 12 months in order to generate the reviews we need and and the traction. And yes, a smaller seller is going to have a a more difficult time competing with that. And so they're going to be willing to, again, spend more money on advertising, get more visibility, knowing that there's an inflection point that you hit a, a certain amount of reviews and you become more relevant and then you could start to have better conversion rates and your your a cost is going to go down as a result of those better conversion rates so that is also another factor you know in the marketplace on the one hand you have aggregators that have opened up opportunities for sort of like easier ability for sellers to exit and also have many competitors competing for their business and driving up the cost of acquisitions mm-hmm. i think that's a benefit to sellers on the other hand the competition has gotten better so you need to kind of step up, you know, your game on what you're doing on Amazon because your competitors have gotten more savvy. And you think about today too, right? From when you and I first started in this industry, talking mm-hmm. about 2014, 2015, right? Like we didn't have as much data as we as we had. We didn't have elite seller. We didn't Amazon. have tools. We didn't have the tools that that gave us such great data. We didn't have brand analytics, mm-hmm. right? We didn't have thinking about another thing, talking about this what's new this year. There's a search term impression report that's now available. Sponsor product, sponsor brand, search term impression. Everybody should be downloading this report because what this report shows you, and it's in your advertising report, is it actually rank. Amazon wants you to fight right with other brands. What, the, what this report shows you is keywords, search terms that you're showing up for, that you're getting impressions for, and how you rank from an impression standpoint compared to other brands. So you can look at a term, let's say sell barbecue gloves. You can see you know, barbecue gloves. I'm the number four brand that gets the mo- fourth most impressions among my competitors for this brand. Okay. Well, if my ACOS or if my results are pretty decent there, it shows me I have more room to kind of increase impressions for that term. Again, it's it's really showing you kind of where you rank. So we have also so much more data available to us that it, it allows us to make more decisions and use that data and kind of, you know, use use it in our marketing strategy that we also didn't have as much of it even you know three or four years ago, right? Like I think all the software companies in space, right, have gotten more sophisticated, have have added more, have added more data, have gotten better. And yeah, there's just kind of more things that are available. When I when I started selling on Amazon, like people didn't talk about exits. It wasn't yeah, like, it's, it's a very hot topic in the last couple of years. It wasn't like a thing, right? So I think there's like all, all these kind of forces out there that are that are really driving this. But I think if you become really good at the conversion side and the advertising side, it's a major advantage now because it's so much more critical to the success of your business is how well you are how good of a job you do at managing your advertising, how much you can avoid or how you can sort of decrease your wasted ad spend, how much you can maximize your impressions with the right campaign structure, how you can take advantage of ad types as soon as they come out if you're big enough and it makes sense, leveraging DSP is sort of another you know another opportunity I don't Tend to push DSP as something for everybody, mm-hmm. but I would say if you are three million at least, or maybe five million a year in sales, it's something you should you should look at. There's a lot of opportunities there. At the same time, some more of those DSP aspects are coming to sponsor display, and mm-hmm. I recommend people test out these things. One thing in sponsor display is if you're a brand that has consumables, you might have something there. Not everybody has it that allows you to target past purchasers, which is good because um, and it, it eliminates. Subscribe and save audiences, but anyone who has bought your product in the past, except for the last 30 days, it would target them. There's could be some cannibalization of, of organic sales there, are people who might buy anyway and are non-subscribe and save, but so super low A cost there. And DSP, you could do this on a greater scale with more custom creatives and and more specific targeting. You can negate people. You can you can target people only who didn't buy for the last 60 days or 90 days. Like you have a lot more control, but you have some of this in sponsored display. You might have this. You now have audience targeting and sponsor display, which is more of a top of funnel approach. So, I can, if I have a baby product, I can target new parents, for example. So beyond keywords, beyond ASINs, I can target Amazon audiences and that's coming to sponsor display. Again, if you're bigger, you might want to leverage DSP for some of this, but realizing that DSP is a combination of like immediate sales as well as sort of longer term brand building. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a client that we run a Amazon Fire TV ad through DSP, which is, which is pretty cool. And you can actually target people who are watching Hulu and are buying sports and outdoors products on Amazon, only they would see that ad, right? It's pretty cool. That's a very unique way to advertise,
0: especially to get it in front of them while they're just vegetating on on their couch or just uh, consuming any kind of television. That's that's really neat. I I would actually like to ask you this, um, since we're over here on the topic of all these different advertising platforms within Amazon, what are the financial barriers to entry that you often see that would be most beneficial for either newbie sellers, intermediate sellers, advanced sellers and beyond? Like which category would you say is the best option for them to actually start advertising in and get the best ROI?
1: Look, the the most competitive categories are gonna be supplements, are gonna be health and beauty. Beauty products are extremely competitive. Uh, I do believe you need more money today than you needed in the past to have success on Amazon. Um, I would say if you are newer, you should really focus on a very niche type of product that doesn't have as many competitors. And at the same time, that doesn't necessarily have maybe the same upside potential. Do you have a better chance to succeed in, even if you get that product to do 5,000 a month in sales, right? Or 7,000 a month in sales to start generating some profit for you that you can then use to, to launch other, other products. I would say as far as budgets that you need, you know, if you're going to go launch in very competitive spaces, you do need to think about, here's kind of how I think. I think that you really need, you can't think about profitability when you're launching on Amazon. You need to think about a few things. You know, and, and depending on really on the on the category and, and the product, but like how can I get to X reviews in the fastest amount of time? Or how do I how can I get to 500 reviews on this product in the fastest amount of time? How can I get to hundred reviews on this product in the fastest amount of time? And it sort of should be your singular focus on a product. Yeah, those uh, benchmarks early on. Mm-hmm. Because, and not really think about the profitability. It's like how much do I need to spend on ads in order to get to this reviews? How much do I need to spend maybe on launches? in order to rank for some starting maybe long tail keywords that you can compete for. Um, How aggressive do I need to be on my price so I can convert? Don't think about like, okay, where do I need to be on price in the beginning in order to generate X margin? Mm -hmm. I think ultimately you need to be there and be able to get that price. But in the beginning, it's where do I need to price so I get X conversion rate? So testing your price, like, you know, if you have a product that's not a high priced product, well, where do I need to price it so I have at least a 10 probably better 15 to 20% conversion rate on this product mm-hmm. and toggle your price, your initial starting point there so that you can generate the volume so that you can get the reviews, right? So that you can leverage things like the insert and the request review button automation mm-hmm. and have more sales coming from your advertising so that you can build up the reviews so that you can become more relevant and be able to become profitable on a, on a product. The more competitive the space you choose, the more, the more competitors there are probably the higher that review count needs to be. And probably the sort of more money you need to spend to get there, the, you know, less competitive the market, then maybe less potential, but like less amount of money you need, you need to get there. Somebody I knew from before Amazon, I had a, I ran an insurance agency and somebody that I knew from that space reached out to me like a couple of months ago and said, Hey, my insurance business is running pretty much on autopilot. I have about a hundred thousand dollars and I'm thinking of getting into Amazon. You know, I want to take it seriously. Can you, can you do like a coaching call with me and kind of give me the, lay of the land. At least I know you. and know you're not trying to like sell me something or whatever, like give me the real kind of like lay of land. And so I was um, working with him and trying to help him see how I look for product opportunities, et cetera. And like, actually during the call, I found a product that, you know, people are generating, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 in sales on, on page one that had like a lot of people on the, the first page had like less than a hundred and 200 reviews. And it's possible for someone to enter that market and compete. The only thing with that product is the average selling price was like, 150 to 250, which means you're gonna need some more money for inventory to enter, you know, to enter into that market, right? If I'm gonna get, you know, a thousand units and it's gonna cost me 50 bucks, that's 50 grand, right? Or even if I'm gonna get 500 units, that's 25,000 just in inventory. I need to have something for my second order, which I'll need to place before I run out of stock on my first order. I need advertising, I need to set up my listings properly, etc. But like I think there still exist great opportunities if you're you know, diligent in terms of like, you know, looking for looking for products, or you would just recognize that you need to spend a certain amount of money to generate sales. And the name of the game on, on Amazon is really having enough reviews to become relevant, unless you're doing something that's totally, you know, inventive and very different from, you know, other products that are on the market. But I, obviously you should be thinking about how how you can also differentiate because then you're being less compared to on just a review or apples to apples basis, right? Right. You're, you're not another me too product, right? That
0: just you know came off fresh off the boat with just a slight palette swap and a name change from a different from the same company and just taking up space on, on, on re- right.
1: uh, taking up real estate on page one. What I think is, uh, but by uh, the way, I mean, it's still possible to do that. It mm-hmm. just requires it will require more money than if you differentiate something and do it in a way that people really like and they're not just comparing or you offer more value and they're not just comparing two supplements and they're exactly the same, right. Or just two products that are exactly the same. And it's really a price and review kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You can still bully your way into any market with enough money, but if you differentiate and, and you offer more value and, and, you know, you're reading all the, all the reviews people are writing and mm-hmm. seeing what people like, people don't like and putting thought into the product that you create, then yeah, it'll be, it'll also be easier to come in and, and, uh, and compete, but you're still gonna have to have enough social proof for people to consider you in the first place. And so to me, that's something that, where you should be really focused on early on, you know, with a a product.
0: Is building up the social proof. And obviously I imagine that social proof and new advertising opportunities on Amazon and off Amazon are gonna tie into your general success on Amazon long-term. So speaking of that, I do want to talk to you about the new advertising opportunities that are on Amazon that uh, we definitely have on our list of questions. In in your personal opinion, what do you find the most beneficial, advertising on Amazon or bringing traffic off of Amazon to Amazon?
1: I would say your conversion rates are going to be better on traffic internally. Mm -hmm. I would say that in general, my expertise tends to be more more with on Amazon traffic. So maybe I have a bias there. But I will say that, you know, I I've seen and we're kind of starting to test with some clients driving Google ads into Amazon um, and outside traffic. I think that's more helpful in terms of ranking and pushing the organic side and showing those signals to Amazon as opposed to like ROAS focused, ACOS focused, which I think you're just gonna have a higher buying intent when the person is already on the site so i think you should focus on external once you've dialed in your internal traffic i wouldn't think that somebody would be recommending you to say hey you know what hold off on amazon ads and run google first or hold off on amazon and run facebook i think you would do it in combination i think at launch Mm -hmm. certainly sending signals that you're bringing traffic outside of amazon into amazon Mm -hmm. is going to be a helpful signal to show the algorithm like that that the algorithm favors, right, traffic from outside Amazon. That if I'm an engineer at Amazon, I'm going to program something that says, hey, if somebody brings us people that aren't even on the site right now, into Amazon, that's more valuable, right? Like more valuable than somebody that's already on the site, right? Yeah, because
0: it, Amazon's actively very well known. It's a household name. It's been around for such a long time. It's no longer just a bookstore uh, like it was in the golden days. But to bring somebody else from another platform over to Amazon and have them target specifically your product and your keywords is gonna be beneficial to you in the long run. And I, I would yeah. imagine that continuing to do that that should be beneficial,
1: not, not only towards your product, but also towards your campaigns. I think it would be, I, I don't know that that's going to help your advertising campaigns on Amazon, mm-hmm. but I believe it will help. I mean, it can help obviously your sales and it should impact your organic ranking, which is you know something you really need to think about. You know, One problem I see often is that you can have two sellers with the same ACoS. However, one is in a much worse off position than the other because one seller with a 50% ACoS, has thirty percent of their sales coming from ads and 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 therefore has a profitable business and another seller with a fifty percent a cost has sixty percent of their sales coming from ads, and they have a much harder time having a profitable business and so focusing on the organic side obviously is very important, I think the outside traffic is is something that can help you impact that organic traffic and visibility that that you're getting. I would say on average i I, I see kind of like sellers being somewhere in terms of organic. Uh, in terms of what a good number is, I would say 60% plus organic or f- at least 55% plus organic, 45 or less or 40 or less ad sales mm-hmm. is kind of where you should be. And if you're on the opposite end of that, then you're in a tough position, especially with the rise in cost per click, right? So it's another mm-hmm. sort of thing to mitigate that is you should really be focused on having 60% plus of your sales coming organically. And there's some some brands we work with that, of their sales are coming organically, especially on consumables where they have subscribe and save, et cetera. They can also afford that higher a cost because it's also not a, because their tacos is sort of overall lower, right? So it's sort of not impacting them as much because they're not relying on ads as much as part of like the overall, their overall sales. And so focusing on the, on your conversion rates, focusing on organic ranking, whatever you need to do there, right? I mean, one thing we're doing for, for our clients too, a lot less recently, is using the manage experiments feature within Amazon. So if you have brand uh, registry within your brand dashboard, there's something called manage experiments. A lot of sellers are not using this, but we've seen amazing results doing A-B testing on titles, especially now we're kind of moving on to, to images, but you could do A-B testing on titles, main image and on A-plus content the big benefit of doing this on Amazon versus sort of doing it yourself. Meaning, of course, somebody, I could change my title, I can run that for two weeks, then I can, can compare my results to the previous title and see where I got more sessions and conversions as a result. Mm-hmm. But when you do it within Amazon, Amazon actually takes in real time, the audience that's coming and split tests it 50-50 yeah. between the old title and the, and the new title. And you can get this, and you get a lot of data in there. And we see, we see like vast differences in results between one to another, where it's very clear on what the winner is. And then we take that winner and then we AB test it again.
0: Yeah, yeah and, and it's just product. constantly optimizing it and getting that almost perfect listing so that
1: when you actually do have your your ad campaigns going for your own product, you're getting a higher conversion rate. Exactly, right? So like, again, the, the rising cost per click should also force you to focus more on organic, your conversion rate. The other thing that you, you should be doing too is sort of like iterating on your listing, right? Mm-hmm. So. The things, you know, when we see a comment or negative reviews about some kind of issue or or something with a product, we might, okay. So I had an example. We had a client that had like a magnetic wallet to to, to the back of the iPhone. And some people mentioned uh, the magnet's not strong enough, right? In the negative reviews. Well, they went to their manufacturer, they made the magnet stronger. And now we're adding images that say, you know, upgraded stronger magnet for 2021, right? Type of thing. So like we're iterating the product. And we're iterating the images and A plus content and the things that we do based on the customer reviews and, and the feedback that you're getting. And when when you look at your returns on why people returned and what their com- voice of the customer and what the comments are, you mm-hmm. should also be sort of iterating on your you know listing as a result of what's happening. And your listing shouldn't be a one and done you know kind of a kind of a thing either. So again, it's that focus on optimization in all areas of your business that you might be forced to do as a result of like things that are shifting and, and changing, but if you proactively do it and get ahead of that, then you're gonna be ahead, ahead of people that are that haven't still implemented video ads, for example, right? If you implemented yeah. video ads when it came out, you had an amazing cost per click. And this is one of our best performing, talking about new ad types, new ad types that have, that have come out in, in the last year. And, and now actually what's happening now is now Amazon allows you to target products, ASINs with your video ads. And we've just started in the last couple of weeks to see videos, Showing up on product detail pages. Okay, so I'd highly recommend you go in and sort of add these ASINs now. Add ASIN targeting to your video campaigns. Set up separate campaigns for ASIN targeting because you're going to see more and more um, now in the in the bottom section of sponsored uh, of sponsored brands where they show up on detail pages. In the middle one, there recently we've seen show. video there actually again if you're if you're not you know if you're not doing that you should really be running video ads you should be targeting asins that's that's something that's going to be the next thing is really Mm -hmm. video ads on product detail pages and uh, i think it's something that you should really be focused on and you don't you shouldn't need crazy budgets to create these videos we've done slideshow videos from images of a product in in a software we use like biteable to do that it's a software that allows you to just take images add music and create a video. We also use something called storyblocks.com. Storyblocks allows us to create a video that's a little bit more interactive. So we actually are taking like video stock footage Mm -hmm. with, along with images of the product to make it a little bit more interactive. So if I have a pet supplement, you know, I have an image of the pet supplement and I have a dog, generic dog, right? Like stock footage of the dog running down happy, right? Creates a little bit more interactive video that again, you know, we, we charge like 200 bucks to create that video, right? You can have any VA, that has some skills created for you and it it takes in a few hours, you can create this video that Mm -hmm. you don't need to actually shoot and produce and you don't need to spend $1,000, $2,000 on on video to create it for every single one of your products. Um, I I see the future of Amazon Posts having video and and more content there, right? Again, so one of those other things, additional things that you should be doing and thinking about and what we do with Amazon Posts is we try not to just feature a product because you want to get followers. So another thing that's coming is the Mm -hmm. ability to have followers in your storefront and on posts and the ability to send launch communication about new product launches to those followers. It's already on vendor and I believe it's it's coming to Seller Central. It's uh, almost
0: like Amazon's turning into just this monolith of a platform that's semi-social media uh, platform with a, with a giant uh, search algorithm and, and products that are just constantly being advertised. I would honestly think that with all these new features that Amazon is rolling out, that that's what's actually contributing a major factor to the rising cost per click because they're giving you all these different options and ways to engage with your audience and capture them and get them back in for the sale, they have to make up for it somewhere. So they have to increase the bottom line across the board.
1: Yeah. And and look, Amazon wants to compete with Google and Facebook Mm -hmm. uh, or the top sort of players in the digital advertising realm. And Amazon used to be 7% 7% of all advertising spend online used to go to Amazon. It's now 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, so Amazon sees a massive opportunity in growing this this ad business. Also, they you know? have to make up for the fact that they just bought MGM. Yeah. And look, MGM is like an advertised play in, in mm-hmm. a sense, right? I mean, one, yeah, it's potentially getting more prime customers, but you'll be able to now run ads on you know that platform that's going to be on prime tv or or, um, etc so again yes the twitch is also you can with dsp i can run ads specifically on twitch specifically on imdb these are amazon owned and operated you know sites where they get to fully keep all the ad revenues that are run there as opposed to when i run dsp and i am on third party sites as well where they have to sort of share the you know cost per impression with other networks other ad networks so yeah, I don't think the growth of you know increase of Amazon advertising is not slowing down. Um, but I think I think more placements might open up. So, for example, when the Amazon opens up a lot more placements on detail pages for video, you might see uh, stabilization or decline in cost per click because there's just going to be more inventory available, right? More mm-hmm. supply to kind of meet meet the the demand is sort of what's what we've historically seen is Amazon, you know, cost per click goes up, then Amazon over time will introduce some kind of new ad type, which helps lower overall cost per click because there's new kind of inventory available. So I I see the same kind of thing maybe happening with with video ads, but video ads have been very successful. You should jump on it if you haven't and think about targeting detail pages because I think you're going to see more video ads showing up um, on detail pages, sending traffic to your storefront, optimizing your storefront in order to cross sell more and Sponsor brand ads just convert better to storefront. If you have a proper storefront, then product landing pages. Really focusing on all these areas to deal with the rising cost per click and increase your conversions will allow you to get some stabilization in terms of sort of the rise of, of cost per click.
0: So Laren, I'd like to ask you this, man. Uh, if you were sitting in a boardroom with all the Amazon executives talking about the rising cost per click and PPC ad spend and all that, what would you suggest to them if they change that makes it actually beneficial, not only for the sellers, but also for the buyers?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, there, there's benefit for sellers with advertising too, because when I launch a new product and I can't get on page one organically, I can still show up there with an ad and they can get visibility. And so you can look at pay-per-click as a necessary evil. You can also look at it as a benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of like, you know, suggestions to, you know, to, to, to Amazon that's beneficial for buyers and sellers. I mean, I think today the way the algorithm is, is Amazon still shows you very relevant products in the search results for advertising. I think the minute that there is a loss of relevancy and, you know, I can show up with a garlic press for somebody searching for a barbecue glove in an ad, then that becomes not beneficial for the, for the, for the buyer and creates a bad buying experience. And, you know, I think Amazon strategy is great for Amazon in the sense of, yeah, of course there's kind of less, less organic positions, which forces more people to spend on Amazon advertising. And so from Amazon side, they're doing a great job in increasing their their ad revenues and growing and growing their business. If I'm a shareholder, I'm thrilled. If I'm a seller, yeah, of course, like in 2015, I didn't have to have these ad budgets, you know, and it is putting a factor on pricing and, and margins, uh, you know, et cetera. I think, I think at some point, if it does get sort of cost prohibitive to do business on Amazon, then you will see a rise in pricing, which Amazon will not like and and then maybe at that point they balance out more more organic if they have to in order to make sure sellers can have this 60% 70% sales organically and 30 you know if ultimately you have to have uh, 90% of your sales come from ads mm-hmm. it will impact pricing and will negatively impact the end customer so that's something i think amazon has to you know kind of think about making sure that there's still enough organic visibility in search results and that it's not just pay to play that the best products, the highest converting products are able to kind of show up for the benefit of the consumer as well. So I think there, I think there's a, you know, certain balance there, but in my view, you know, Amazon stock, you look at it in the last year, it's up massively. And so I think, um, Amazon kind of knows what it's do what it's doing, you know, as far as, as far as maximizing revenue and getting shoppers to rely on the platform. I mean, they're essentially a monopoly in terms of E-commerce sites, you know, um, and so they've done a massively great job. I
0: think. With, with that being said, obviously Amazon doing such a massively great job, they have their own unique holiday Prime Day. What would you say are your Prime Day PPC strats, Amazon advertising strats, moving forward in twenty twenty one and and beyond?
1: Yeah, I mean, so you know, I don't know when this is going to be out, and maybe maybe after Prime Day, but <laughs> um, you know, talking into talking about you know sort of future and what we see, and just in general what we've done on Prime Day. Um, so, when I put out a post last week that showed. Our conversion rates across our clients for last year, Prime Day, which was in October, a little bit different timing-wise than this year. But conversion rates were down the week before Prime Day. Conversion rates went down because I think you have kind of more people browsing on the site, looking at what might be on a deal and what they might want to buy in Prime Day and adding stuff to cart, et cetera. The conversion rates massively go up, obviously, on the the couple days of Prime Day. They then drop again a day or two after Prime Day, and then they're they back up and, and stabilized. So I think knowing that you want to be smart and how, how do you sort of work on budgets and your bids? Our general recommendation this year and in the past has been, you don't need to increase bids in order to be visible. Most people will still run out of budgets and have a massive amount of traffic or they'll need to raise budgets. And I don't think you need to raise bids. I think your conversion rates will be better. And so therefore your ACoS will be better on, on these days. What we generally recommend sort of is a 50% increase in budget the day before Prime Day. So if your budget today is you know, $100 a day on a campaign, raise it to $150 the day before. Again, there's more traffic, especially if you're running deals, because people are going to be coming, adding to cart and checking if you have a coupon or a deal on Prime Day. And then 100% of the original amount on the two days of Prime Day. So again, if I had $100, I would go 100 $150, $200 budget on the days of Prime Day. And the day after, back to 100. Um, so we're kind of generally just, you know, recommending increasing budgets to deal with the increased amount of traffic, that is, you know, on the site, you know, around Prime Day. Obviously, there's other things you could do, um, like there's big brands that actually optimize their storefront. That, will, that a week before Prime Day will have like a coming soon on their on their banner and like showing all their Prime Day deals that are coming soon on their homepage and and shift some things for for it. But generally, you know, we're we're more Sort of managing the increased traffic that's coming. And again, we don't believe that you'd need to increase bids in order to show up. Mm-hmm. You know, Amazon will send emails out and make those recommendations. Again, Amazon is driving Amazon revenue, but we don't we don't think that we we haven't seen the need to kind of increase bids. And we'll see if that's the case again this year. But uh, I, I don't think that you have to increase bids, and actually you'll see a better eight cost on the days of Prime Day because of the increased conversion rate. So it's just just a great opportunity to. You know, drive more sales, drive traffic to your storefront, showcase more of your products, utilize inserts to take advantage of the potential email opt-ins that you can get through that time. Generate more reviews. You know, kind of accelerate your um, your business. Um, As a result, this year, you know, the week leading up to Prime Day is also the week before Father's Day. So I think on certain products that are sort of Father's Day products, you're not going to see that decrease in conversion rates. You'll see people buying them because you can't. You have to sort of get those products before Father's Day, you know, before, which is before Prime Day.
0: Would you say that keeping your budget, uh, increasing your budget up to Prime Day leading into Father's Day would be a good strategy overall, moving in if your products
1: are uh, consistent with that niche? Yeah, I mean, if you had Father's Day products, you probably have more traffic this week and Mm -hmm. you probably do need to increase your budget earlier than you would if you're not, don't have Father's Day products, because yes, there's just more traffic, likely it's likely your, your campaigns could be running out of budgets. And if they are, would increase budgets for father's day products. Also, I mean, the other thing to evaluate, obviously in all of this and any strategy you put in place for, for advertising and for prime day and for for black Friday and cyber Monday, kind of a, kind of a similar thing is do you have, do you have the inventory that it makes sense for you to raise your budgets mm-hmm. or do you want to maximize profitability or kind of like, what is the focus? You know, I was kind of talking, assuming you have enough, inventory, you would want to raise your budgets, but certainly that has to be a factor, especially this year when people have been just having more, you know, inventory issues.
0: And our final talking point, let's talk about Amazon mindset. Obviously you've been in the game for such a long time and you've, you've had your fair share of ups and downs. And so have I in this industry? And what would you say is, is the best way to go about being an entrepreneur in 2021 and then also establishing your business and growing your,
1: not only yourself, but your business overall? Yeah. So I think, and yeah, you know, I would say like, yeah, I've, I started selling on Amazon in December, 2014. So it's now, you know, six, seven years, which I guess in the Amazon world is like 50 years, maybe in, in another industry, traditionally, it's sort of like, you know, not such a long period of time, but like this industry changes so much and has evolved so much that, that it is a, a good amount of time. I would say that, you know, you are kind of your, your business, right? That you are the engine that is driving the business. So the better you are, the better your business will be, which You know, to me, I think having, especially as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, like if there's one thing that's guaranteed is you're going to face problems and challenges. And in fact, solving problems is kind of what you do as an entrepreneur. Developing a product is to solve a problem, right? Like everything you're doing is to kind of deal with problems. And so the better you are sort of recognizing that it's, this comes with the job, right? Challenges come with the job. The challenges are there to push you to grow and you should kind of embrace the challenges. And you, you need to kind of understand, the, yeah, the, the challenge are there to, to push me to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, I know brands that have gone suspended on Amazon is, as a result, went to Shopify and retail and now have a massive Shopify business because a problem pushed them to say, hey, we need to focus also on other channels so that we don't deal with this problem again. And had they not had that challenge in the first place, they would still be relying just on Amazon today and would have less control in their business, right? So, you know, I think you just need to have this, like, you know, um, I, I followed Jesse Itzler, who is one of the owners of Atlanta Hawks and a very successful entrepreneur, and married to Sarah Blakely, who is the founder of Spanx. And and Jesse Itzler's kind of line is when people ask him, like, how are you so successful in in business? Because he kind of says, like, I'm just average. I got like a 900 on the SATs. You know, like I'm cool. not that smart. Like I'm just average. And like, but you've had such above average results in your career. When and you know when when people ask him that, he said. I stayed in the game long enough to get lucky. You know, you try one thing, it fails. You try another thing, you know. He said the first time, um, he he had a company called Marquee Jet, and they initially went into one uh, kind of, uh, they had this idea. The, the story is that he ended up through business somehow. He was like, he, he actually ended up recording a song that got played for, the New York Knicks played a song called Go New York Go, um, that they still play today. He actually was the one who put it together, and he ended up on kind of like a private jet. And with his friend, he was like, wow, like people live like this. People travel on private jets. And he learned about this concept of like partial like ownership, right? That you could pay like 25,000 a year and kind of use that towards like private flights. And he was like, wow, that's a really cool concept. Let's develop. There's only one thing. They didn't have any planes. Mm -hmm. And so they went to NetJets and uh, it was a company, uh, Warren Buffett's company. And they went to see if like, okay, they could sort of lease or utilize their jets and sort of this business. And they got kicked out of the of the of the of the meeting, you know? And a few years later, they ended up selling their company to NetJets. Right. And so like they didn't stop. They didn't say no. They uh, didn't give up on your dream. They didn't give up on dream. He talks about like, okay, we need to get to some like really like rich people. Like, how are we gonna get them there? So they flew out and they said, okay, we're gonna go to this. It was just starting out, this thing called TED Talks, right? Where all these like, very, you know, the, the tickets are very expensive to kind of go and, and it, it's a high price and they're going to get in. But like, they try to like sneak into the conference and like meet all these really successful people. And they realized when they got there, there was like two levels of like badges and, and the security they had to go through to get in. So they set up shopping, like they realized in the breaks of the talks, everybody went across the street to this coffee store. They, they went to the coffee store in the morning before and they bought out all the muffins. Okay. Yeah that were available, okay? So somebody went and said, so they're sitting at a table literally with all the muffins that they bought. They they bought out the muffins. This guy goes up and says, hey, I'd like to have a coffee and a muffin. They're like, sorry, we're out of muffin. They're like, hey, sir, you know what? Sit with me Here. Uh, I'll give you a, uh, you can have a muffin. Yeah, you I know, have one. And they got their credentials. I remember hearing about this on, on
0: Tom Bill Yu's podcast, like a long time ago. So yes. this is actually a pretty, this is a, a perfect story about uh, finding a, a solution to a problem that you have by being adaptive and
1: being persistent. Yes. And so- that guy that he sat with there became one of his first clients at Marquee Jets and a guy who referred him and opened up sort of all these other people that he knew in his network that became clients and built up this company because he was, persistent enough to say, I'm going to go there and I'm going to meet these people. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. When I got there, I have this challenge with, with the badges. I'm going to set up stuff like, just like, yeah, innovative and an attitude of just not willing to give up. And that is the kind of mindset you need to have. I mean, selling on Amazon is a, a blessing and a curse, right? You have this massive traffic opportunity and massive opportunity to sell and then and create a business and, and exit the business, but it's a headache and it's a grind and it's a challenge. And you have to deal with a lot of like your product getting taken down. And if you don't have the mindset that like, I'm going to have to deal with like that, like, yes, the challenges are going to be there, but I'm going to push through because that's what entrepreneurs do. Then you're not going to make it. And the tactics and everything else to me is secondary. You need to know all that stuff. But if you give up the first time you have a failed product or the first time Amazon suspends you, then you're doomed to fail. And I, I think you need to kind of go in with that mindset that, you know, you're going to be successful and then go in with the certainty and, and even like your mindset around like launching products, right? Mm-hmm. Are you going to order hundred units because you're not sure, or are you going to order a thousand units and do it the right way? and not go out of stock after you launch and and say, I'm going to have a successful launch and I'm going to do it the right way and I'm going to invest. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to take the attitude that, oh, I'll invest in a great listing after I see the product selling. No, I'm going to invest in great A plus content and make the listing as good as possible, you know, because I know it's going to work versus people who fail, who often think, let me see if it sells a little bit first and then I'll make a plus content. Well, you're, you're selling yourself short, then you're not going to sell well. Yeah, so it's one foot in one foot out instead of just diving into the end of the pool and just going into the deep end. Yeah. You kind of have to go with that certainty in order to to have success. And even if you fail, you're going to learn something from it. You just got to get back up if you want to, you know, have this. And and I would say that it's not for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm not saying you have to be this way, but, I, but I think if you want to have success as an entrepreneur, you need to have that kind of mindset.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll leave off on this final question and then we'll just wrap up. Who has been the biggest contributing factor in your career in Amazon? Like you, you obviously started from your own previous business uh, and then transitioned over to being Amazon. I remember uh, having conversations with you at AMZ Innovate in 2019, and then bumping into you prior, even though you didn't know who I was. But you were already yes. semi-famous in, in, uh, in and in a private group that doesn't exist anymore, Asia Amazon. And you know, just seeing your contributing success over all these years has been more of a motivation for me to actually keep striving, but who has been the motivation for you that has allowed you to go from where you were then to where you are now and where you will be in the future? I
1: mean, I wouldn't say that it's, that there's been sort of like one person Mm -hmm. or one thing Mm -hmm. that has, first of all, I think you need to be self-driven and -hmm. self-motivated. There isn't anybody external that's going to help you if you're internally not motivated. You need need to be self-driven and self-motivated. Somebody asked Elon Musk, people didn't like this answer, but like, you know, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs that need some motivation and, you know, or like they, they need some motivation or inspiration. And he said, mm-hmm. if you need inspiration, then you shouldn't be an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> Which is Kind of a tough answer, right? But like- An honest answer though. In, in, it's an honest answer. And in some ways, yeah, you need to be more self-driven than anybody else who's going to help you. Mm-hmm. But you also do need to build relationships. I mean, what, I would say that the biggest thing that has helped me is relationships, is these mm-hmm. Facebook groups where you can go ask questions, is going to events and meeting sellers face-to-face, is going to conferences, is paying for high-level masterminds, buying courses, like all of it Mm -hmm. has been together collectively helpful. Like you can't, you know, I believe that yes, you're going to be much more successful. If you are naturally curious, if you're willing to ask questions, Mm -hmm. if you're willing to, yeah, I ask uh, when I went to this like first high high level mastermind I went to, I went to in 2016, I paid $10,000 to go. I asked the most questions of anyone in the room, but like you wanted to get value out of your money as well. I want to get value. And like, I don't feel like there's a stupid or bad question, right? Mm -hmm. Like You should be curious. You should ask as much questions and you should try to, you know, learn as much as you can and show other people value. And then they're going to show you value in return. So if I just, if you go watch like an amazing YouTube video, or if you listen to this podcast and you go share it with somebody, then next time they listen to something, they'll share it with you. Right. And you kind of build these relationships. And I I would say the biggest thing is really like the networking that happens online. And then a lot, the networking that happens offline That Mm -hmm. was biggest sort of catalyst, you know, for me, I would say people like, you know, you were in that course with Andy Slammons. He was one of the first people that I took his course, you know, with with him, that was an inspiration. People like Casey Goss, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like people that put out a lot of great content like Brandon Young, Mm -hmm. Kevin King. You know, just like learning from people that are genuine, that are not just marketing con artists, uh, you know, in a way. Yeah, we, won't, um, we won't name any names. <laughs> you know, yeah, without naming names and and just like and honestly, I would say along with that is doing. You mm-hmm. can't just go to the conferences for five years and like wait till you become an expert. You gotta learn and do as you go taking action along the way is like the best way that you're going to learn. It's that trial by fire approach, you know, you're you're cutting your teeth and you're also
0: learning and networking at the same time. So collectively you'll make it across the finish line or you have a higher chance of success by taking the experiences that you have and the people that you've met along the way and using that knowledge to leverage
1: yourself in that proper direction. Absolutely. And I think people take different approaches. There's sort of this like ready aim fire uh, Mm -hmm. approach, you know, which is a lot of prep being very precise, and there's the ready fire, aim, Mm -hmm. you know, Launch five products and see and and see which what what happens right or or kind of like take more action and to to personally for me that I'm more of the ready fire aim type and that's kind of been how how I learned by by making mistakes I I had a patent I I have a patent I took somebody down they sued me like I mean I just had stuff that I haven't sort of even publicly really kind of spoken about but I just learned learned a lot of lessons along the way in, in, this, in this space um, by, and because, because I've taken action. Um, and I think that's taking action, networking, building relationships, like the most important things that have helped me along the way. And nobody's gonna help you more than you. Yeah. Right? You need to be your biggest personal. If you're the type of like, hey, you know, I can't do this, blah, 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 like mindset, you're, gonna, you're, doomed, you're doomed to fail. And yeah. if you're the type, you know, I think you can be a brilliant person with a bad mindset was not gonna do as well as an average person who hustles and will never give up. And I think most actually very, very successful people, they were like B and C and D students in school, right? They weren't the A plus students, but they had a certain attitude and a certain mindset that drove them to- towards something. So uh, I think it's kind of for entrepreneurship, it's what it takes. Honestly, Laron, it's it's a it's a pleasure
0: having you on this podcast. And I know that we wanted to save a little bit of time to talk about Amazon mindset on another call, but we can definitely have that discussion because guys, if you if you were listening, if you were flying the wall in the conversation that we are having in the previous <laughs> this one, it it was just all about mindset and all about just you know, never having that never give up attitude and just keep pushing forward. So if you ever want to connect yourself with Laron Hirschkorn, you can just type in his name. He's just had a massive uh, interview with Alibaba. He has a an amazing Facebook group, Ecom Mindset. You can check out his website, his agency, Incrementum Digital. That's I-N-C-R-E-M-E-N-T-U-M Digital right there. You can find him on Instagram at Leron Hirschcorn and on LinkedIn at Leron Hirschcorn. And again, this podcast episode has been brought to you by Elite Seller. If you want to hop on and try Elite Seller, you can check out one of our plans, start a 14 day free trial, use the code Josh15, and you just apply that right there and you'll get 15% off for life. Leron Hirschcorn, it was a pleasure
1: having you on this call, man. Thank you. Same here. Thank you so much. No problem, man.